0: Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, I think it's safe to say that Las Vegas is pretty angry with us.
1: <laughs> Them too?
0: <laughs> <laughs> why? We've beaten the massive odds against us, my friend. Massive
1: odds. Uh, what are we talking about? Why would Las Vegas bet against us? Well, actually, would Oh, wait. I they, know. They would not. Yeah. No, they, don't really, they don't really know we exist. <laughs> but, yeah. we're,
0: but we're doing better than expected.
1: That's right. And you know why? We are starting a sixth season. That's right, season six, here we come! Holy mackerel! It's a shock we have lasted. It's a shock we're still alive. Right? I'm surprised. I've been
0: I've been wondering about that about you for a long time, Paul. So <laughs> it's uh, and uh, because of season six, we have all kinds of good info for you out there in podcast listening land, including crucial details on the wine supply, which you're gonna want. Oh yes, yeah. And uh, we're gonna talk a little about why we love wine because you must too, since you've been putting up with us just to hear more about wine. Exactly right. So. They are good people. They are good people out there in listener land. Also, today we have a report about how listening to us and other loud noises affects taste. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not pretty. No, it's not. And no. listeners ask about cult wines, which countries make the most vino. And my mom, seriously, asks why some wines taste like butter.
1: I thought your mom was going to ask why you never call her. Well, there's that too. Okay. She prefers that I don't, actually. <laughs> Just send wine, <laughs> Rick. Yes, that's don't all bother about. calling. Yeah, with butter. Uh, plus,
0: our horrible wine <laughs> writing is not as effortless as it says. And yes, in season six, we will be making fun of wine soccer. Yes, Paul. we will. And by the way, Capital Public Radio, God bless them, is still featuring us on their podcast lineup for yet another season, Paul.
1: Yes, recommended podcast right up there with the really big names. Yes,
0: yes. Well, they're not that big. They're
1: short. They have one syllable, two syllables. <laughs> Fresh
0: air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, we it's, not, we should, maybe
1: we should make our sh- shorter.
0: Yes, that probably could help. <laughs> uh, we, and Napa Broadcasting is sticking with us, too.
1: In Napa Valley College, the institution of higher learning and a great base for a wine program that has... 450 students a year. And many good teachers except one. Many good teachers. That would be Paul. <laughs> no, he's fine. I've been to his class.
0: All right. And don't forget, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle, if you're new to us since it's a new season, is at Rick and Paul Wine. Go there, ask us a question. Send us a bad, a bit of bad writing, too. That's always fun. Uh, but uh, we're going to start with some reassurances, Paul, since it's a new season. I, I, I want folks to
1: know there's no need to panic. Well, we're starting a new re- uh, season, Rick. So I'm thinking that's a pretty good reason. Yeah, it's to, pretty. It is actually really yes. That's okay, pretty scary. Um,
0: watch watch yourselves out there. <laughs> but right. no, this is about the world's wine supply, and apparently it's I bounced am. back from a slump year. Uh, 2018
1: was actually a pretty good year. Yeah, in fact, uh, especially after 2017, yeah. which had frost and all sorts of problems. 2018 pretty much fastball straight down the middle of the plate, and everybody made pretty good wine.
0: Yes, and of course, remember it, 2018 is the wines that you're going to start seeing on your uh, your shelves and your yes. tables and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, in fact, the International Organization of Vine and Wine, they say it in French, but I'm not going to. OIV. Yeah. The OIV, of course, uh, announced that the world wine supply was at 7.7 billion gallons. Excellent. Actually, what, what they said was, because they're European, 292 million hectoliters, but I don't have a clue what a Hectoliter is. Hectoliters, 100 liters. See, no one knows. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so if it's 292 million hectoliters, it's about 40 billion bottles or 325 million cases. Yeah, whatever. Anyway,
0: uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're all good with wine. Yeah. Uh, we're, fi- we're fine There's with wine. wine. And,
1: and I have uh, one other bit of news, uh, but Paul, buckle up. It's a study. Oh, come on. We're starting a new season. I, I had- thought we could get by with Apparently not. What would be a new season without a study? This one is actually relevant to our listeners. This is
0: not just a wine study. (laughs) This is one that our listeners should know about. Okay. So professor of experimental psychology at Oxford University.
1: Uh That's a famous university. It is. He did Mm
0: -hmm. a study on music and noise in restaurants
1: that showed that loud noises suppress taste. You know, this may be why so many people turn up the radio when they're listening to us, Rick. So that they... (laughs) <laughs> can't taste things because yeah. we're in poor taste
0: ah well there's that uh i i was going to say people probably shouldn't eat dinner and or taste wine when they're listening to us well
1: uh, or or keep the volume very
0: low you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think we are we're bad he also said that loud music can make it harder to discern a drink's alcohol content by the way yes uh, which may drive people to buy more booze so paul we may be driving people to drink more
1: Well, I think that's our contribution to uh, consuming the 325 million cases of wine that was produced in 2018. Well,
0: I thought that was my supply, but apparently that's the entire world. All right. (laughs) So one other thing, Paul, and I'm going to spend a little time on this here. I've been listening back to our last season. Yeah. I thought you were pretty grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yes, you have snubs this, bad critics that. Boy, that sounds like you, not me.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. That was me. <laughs>
0: All right. Nonetheless, for our new season, we thought we'd take a different angle.
1: No more making fun of wine snobs? Oh, God,
0: no. We still hate them like a spoiled party, whatever that means. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but, no, we're going to talk about why we love wine with a special extended version of Stuff We Love. Oh, goody. I love- So uh, you know we
1: we, we we do give a lot of
0: grief to a lot of folks in and around the wine industry but yes, you know we, we we love wine for many reasons you and I've been in the business and around it for a very long time yep um, so let's uh, let's just uh, run through some of the things that really make wine such a such a great addition to the world
1: so i would say that some of my happiest memories throughout life have been wonderful dinners with wonderful people sitting around a bottle of wine and those have happened in eight or ten different countries just absolutely magical moments
0: and, and they and, seem to w- slow down when there's that bottle of wine they do on table,
1: and yeah. Yeah. you know somebody especially if you're at a winery and everybody's having a good time and the winemaker says Hang on a second. Goes back, goes into the cellar, pulls out one more bottle of something special, and it's just everybody really, really sharing this camaraderie and this uh, this wonderful feeling that we're having a great time. together. I,
0: I think that's an image at any level, whether it's at a winery or just in somebody's you know backyard. Absolutely, that everybody
1: can 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 identify yep. with that. You know? yep.
0: um, with me, it's a simple one, and, and it's never. I, I, I am. Constantly still enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this. Just just sometimes just smelling the bottle, smelling the wine in your glass. Uh-huh, just that uh-huh. simple smell, red, white, pink, uh, purple with the uh, haze on the corrugated <laughs> rim or whatever some <laughs> wine critic would call it. Right. But the smell of the wine, just the simple smell of wine, is well, just, you know, and, it makes and me happy.
1: I love to ride a bicycle. And during harvest time, for example, ah. riding through the Napa Valley, you get that same, you know, you drive through and there's the fermenting wine that you can smell as you ride along. And walking into a barrel room. Yeah. And it's yeah. just all of those things are wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. And then I would, uh, going, going back to that social element, just the idea of, you know, traveling. Really, whether it's to the local tasting room or traveling uh, across, halfway across the world, just meeting people and immediately having this connection, this bond, because of wine. Uh, just lots of fun, great people. Um, and really, really interesting. It's kind of like
0: finding a San Francisco Giants fan in Italy. But, you know, in, in a way, you know, that you're all fans of the same sport, which is this lovely right. thing that is wine. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't... and. I've been in, in, in and around this business for a really long time, longer than I hate to admit because that makes I'm really old. But the truth of it is, just you are. always being in it. Anytime I'm in a vineyard, there's just something magic uh-huh. about it. Yeah, You know, it's just, it's the rose, it's it's maybe the potential, it's the, yeah. certainly the beauty of it. Yeah. It's a, sort of a sculpted landscape. I do like the way, especially if you're, where there's a little bit of hills, you know, the vineyard sort of trace the landscape for you. But yep. it's yep. just, after all these
1: years, still magic. Yep. Yep. and and for me, the love is the 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 history that surrounds so many of these wines of, you know, walking whether it's a winemaker telling you about how they planted the vineyard when his daughter was a baby and she's now getting married, or whether it's someone walking you through a vineyard and explaining that a thousand years ago uh, there were some medieval monks making wine there. I mean, all of that connection to a much longer span of time. Yeah, is. Quite wonderful. Uh, yeah, you know, we occasionally answer questions, probably not well here on the show, but you and I do. <laughs> well, never well.
0: Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> you and I both teach. You now much more than I do. But, you know, we get What was, that, of, what was that last part? <laughs> I said teach. <laughs> teach. Remember, that's where you lear- there's, people learn stuff from you. I know. The, uh, the, uh, but, you know, there's always this... So often, this point where there's a question that sort of leads into this little bit of connection through history. Mm-hmm. How did this get this way? When right. was this happening? And right. and that's one of the. You're absolutely right. Just that that great connection to you know, wine is like art. One of those things that helps explain you know where we were and where we came from, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I really yep. love that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs>
0: Yes, and you know, and another thing that amazes me how often this still happens is that, that sort of mix of expectation and excitement pulling a cork. That little uh, pop oh, that was like a, that was a somebody clicking their tongue. That was not <laughs> a cork. I'm sorry. Sorry, well, <laughs> we, Anthony we wasn't could, ready. We could, yeah, we could have our music. We should have warned you to have that thing ready. But, uh,
1: that yeah, is a, yeah but you're right. It's a
0: nice sound, and it just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and yeah. especially if it's a bottle you
1: don't know. And, happy sound. Yeah, yeah. happy sound. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and I love the fact that it takes you all these different places, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and and it both both emotionally and physically. But, you know, we have a I think I mentioned we have an intern from one of the programs I teach at in Europe staying with us right now from Armenia. The other night she had brought a bottle of wine from Armenia Mm -hmm. and my wife had made a wonderful dinner. And we sat there and combined California cooking with wine from halfway around the world and from. You know, a country that's been making wine for 8,000 years. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's uh, another—you're talking about your wife cooking.
0: your, Your wife can cook. She can cook. She's a pro. She, she is, is a le- pro. Legitimately a pro. Yes. Um, uh, but it also makes your cooking and my cooking taste better.
1: <laughs> yes. Both if we drink while we're cooking yes. and if we drink it. Yes. After.
0: Actually, that's why. What? If I have people over for dinner, I make them drink copiously before. <laughs> we, before I let <laughs> them taste anything. Two bottles down. Yes, before we Yes. All right. Sit now now you can taste it, buddy. Yeah,
1: okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. 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 And and the idea of. You know, just those friends, not even drinking that much, but just sitting around the table as the sun's gone down, the food's all gone, there's still a little wine left in the glasses, and you're just talking and talking and talking about stuff that matters. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, The the phrase is always social lubricant, which just seems so un,
1: un... Well, I like the Italian line of a vino di meditazione, a wine of meditation. I like that. You know, you're sitting around the table and everybody's looking at the glass and they're kind of thinking of what you said and they're kind of thinking of what they're thinking and they're looking at the wine and it's meditation yeah.
0: and then and then there's the other side of that sort of coin too it's that afternoon picnic when everybody's sort of running around and moving around there's a little, just a little bit of rosé or something in everyone's oh, yeah. glass yeah. And, and it's just a, it's a it's a, a thing of joy wine smile is. on everybody's face that's, that's what we give Paul we put smiles on people's faces <laughs> well maybe not but we can sometimes give answers to people's questions hey. so we have a few so it's time to take a few questions if you'd okay. like to ask us one folks go to rickandpaulwine.com or find us on on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at at Rick and Paul Wine. Uh, our first question is from Charles in Sacramento, and he says, "What makes a cult wine a cult wine? Is it just that it's really expensive? Do they have to be good?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's it's a little more complicated than that, Charles. Because it's not the the expense is almost a, a, a secondary element. Um, it's that it has to be rare and in high demand. Yes. So,
0: And sometimes the rare makes it high demand. It's a
1: little of both. But in general, what happens is one or two or more of the influential people in the world of wine have decided this is really a wine. It's a great wine. And then everybody wants a bottle. And when everybody wants a bottle, prices go up and all of a sudden it's a cult wine because there's not that much of it. So small production, high demand. And that will automatically increase your prices and turn it into a cult wine.
0: And a few of the wines that, that are cult wines or on the cusp of becoming cult wines uh, make uh, rarity an issue. Absolutely. They make it hard to find. Absolutely. They don't do tastings. You can't yep.
1: visit. Uh, yep. You
0: know, what, all that sort of well, thing. Well,
1: some of them just do that to Rick. You know— there's a lot of
0: cult wines around.
1: Here, cause I just can't seem to get in. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. We have no room in September or October or November. We don't take
0: visitors. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. So yeah. it's, a, it's a lot. It is a lot of things. And what's funny is, too, because you'll run across these wines that you would think would have been gotten classified as cult wines but there's actually one or two that sort of almost have cult status from from major producers right you know that are right. fairly large but they're expensive and they get they got 100
1: points one year or a yep. wine of the w- yep. year from someone and, yep. and and so there's there's a little bit of that but well and the other thing is i i'm always a little amused by the fact that you know there's a cult wine it got 100 points from somebody and they only make 4000 or 2000 cases And so it's by allocation. And then you read the article that talks about the wine, and there was another wine that got two points less that costs $40 less, and they made a fair chunk of it, and it's not a cult wine, and yet. Can you taste the difference between 97 and 99 points? Oh, yeah. the Seven's uh, way. Oh, uh, yeah, the seven, yeah, yeah. You yeah, never touch anything below a 98, no, eight, right? No, I do not. Oh, <laughs> swill do you think I drink, Paul. <laughs> I know it's swill you drink. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much anything. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. Um, this one is from Susan in the city of Napa, your town, Paul. My hometown. And she asks, uh, which countries produce the most wine? So, you know, it this it, it rotates. It varies a little. I, I checked this uh, year since we were looking at 2018 stats. Yep. This, the
1: current leaders are Italy, France, Spain, then the U.S. Yay, number four. We, we are, are number four. four. We, we are, are number, number four. Yeah, what's fun is that if you talk about the largest grape-growing regions in the world— um, Spain is actually has more acres of grapes than either Italy or Spain, uh, France, but their vineyards are less productive. So they don't make as much wine. And, and if you include table grapes, China's right. up. Oh,
0: right. There. Yeah. 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 That's a very. Of course, that is very different, though. Yep. They take different wine country. Um, and just in case anyone's interest, interested, here's the rest of the top 10. So number five is Argentina, then Chile, Australia, Germany, South Africa, and then China. And then China. Yep. To yep. um, yep. And, you know, those are, the, you know, if you start thinking about it, those are the ones where we really see a lot of wine from all of those folks, not China,
1: but everybody And, else. and actually not very much from South Africa in this country.
0: That's true. You know what, though? Uh, I'm going to keep bringing up my trip to New York not so long ago. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a decent amount of uh, South African Chardonnay Blanc, which is one of my faves yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's all good over, wine.
1: actually. It's yeah. good wine. Yep. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. All right, well that's it for questions for now. Uh, we're just getting the season started though. There'll be more coming up in just a bit, and uh, through the year, of course. But uh, one but of first, our, first, one of our favorite parts of the show, hit it, Anthony. <laughs> yep, really horrible wine writing. Uh, if you were here just two weeks ago, you we went through some of the worst stuff from last year. But don't never fear, we got some pretty bad stuff for this oh, year yeah. too. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
1: we're starting off with a bang, as yeah. it were. So, here's, here's mine. No alcohol approaching 15% here. No aggressive new American oak infusion of vanilla and butterscotch notes either. Instead, the wine is aged in less intrusive French oak barrels. So, they, 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 like, they sit politely. They don't, yes, they're they don't very interrupt. Quiet. They're very polite. Just they're like they're reserved. Yeah, reticent. Okay. Yes. yes. The result is a tightly focused Chardonnay with opulent fruit. Flinty... <laughs> Effortless minerality, refreshing acidity, and alcohol listed at 13.7%, a wine that is effortless to drink. Because all
0: that other wine takes so much effort, yeah.
1: The palate is redolent of green apple, red pear, white peach, and apricot. Apricot doesn't get a color? No, only the other fruits get colors. With a refreshing citrus note and hints of brown sugar, baking spices, and green (laughs) olive. There is a slightly creamy overlay. This is a wine that is well worth the $36 price range I'm or a, suggested price. I'm
0: feeling bad for apricot. It didn't get
1: color. <laughs> I like the effortless yeah. minerality. Effortless. What is effortless minerality? And, and I have to say, um, you know, you've got this uh, tightly focused opulent fruit. That sort of seems to be opposite of what people seem to mean. Opulent doesn't seem focused to me, but what do I know? I don't know what focused means, so what would I know what What? opulent means?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next. (laughs) Here's the other thing. This wine is effortless to drink. So here's here's advice (laughs) from... From Rick and Paul, that you can actually follow. If a wine takes effort to drink, don't drink. Let's it. Let's give it to get, Rick. Get give something it else. To, I'm just saying. Yeah. If you are struggling to drink this wine, <laughs> this is terrible. But I'm I'm gonna buck off. I am God bucking I'm up and get it down. drinking this bottle of wine. <laughs> yes. Right. No thanks. So this is from a guy reviewing Rieslings. Okay. So these are two different Rieslings. Okay, good. One of them gets a high score. One of them gets what would be considered nowadays a not-so-good score. An okay right. score. Yeah. So the first one says, bright streaks of grapefruit peel, limestone, and yellow apple perfume perfume the nose of this Riesling, sourced from a single vineyard on the lower east side of Seneca Lake. The medium-bodied palate offers a mix of white blossom, lime zest, and white plum flavors, all sitting on a crisp line of acidity and a fine powdery texture. 94
1: okay. points. What does limestone smell like? I haven't a clue. Uh, I don't know what a powdery texture would mean for uh, a liquid either, but... Well, you know. bright streaks of yeah. grapefruit peel. Yep. Limestone. Streaks of limestone. Yes. Well, in the nose. All right. So remember that limestone. I'm I'm streaking limestone up my nose. So
0: remember some of those flavors. We got your grapes, grapefruit. You got your limestone. Yep. You got your yep.
1: lime zest.
0: Not lime, but lime zest. Yep. yep. Um, you got your uh, crisp line of acidity. All you right. got your limestone so streaks in uh, the nose. That's 94 points. Now, here's... This is another one. This single vineyard reasoning, just like the other one, offers an expressive nose of lime zest, white cherry, and crushed stone perfume, whatever that is. <laughs> Light and feel, the palate brings white flowers and grapefruit in the mix, and the medium body leading to a lingering limestone finish with a refreshing line of acidity, okay. 89
1: points. Well, it's the lithe in feel. Uh. I think that's what makes the difference there. Yeah. Because the other one... Offered a mixed uh, of—no, was sitting on a crisp line of acidity. Uh, This one is live in feel.
0: Well, it's also a refreshing line of acidity, so maybe it wants crisp— It's not
1: sitting on it. This one is live.
0: Oh, I see. Yes. That's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Dancing on that line. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't like dancing dancing. wines. No dancing wines, Paul. (laughs) This is is the— like, you know this is the, wow. it, this is the horribleness of trying to of, of, of
1: you know we this is of writing 20 reviews of right, the same kind right. of right right and
0: why and why this kind of writing about wine is just so terrible is because yep. it gives the 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 reader
1: absolutely no queue whatsoever the point scale is isn't i have a to thing. admit though when you said lower east side i was not thinking it was going to be Seneca Lake. <laughs> i had i had hopes of the new york seaport museum there Yeah, where now, this, that would be good there you yeah, go yeah. lower east side um, that would make the wine give it a couple extra points i think that so, anyway, that's <laughs> our
0: point these two examples of these wines help the reader not at all not at all all right. Well, speaking of not helping people at all, we're it's take our t- turn to do that. Yeah, we're going to take some questions. Uh, once again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Rick and Paul Wine. That's us, and we're on Apple Podcast too. If you are not there, uh, all right. This one comes from <clears throat> Eunice in San Francisco. I think you know Eunice. Eunice is my mom. Uh, she does not listen to us. I don't blame her. She's not online, actually. Yeah. But if she were, she wouldn't listen to me anyway. No. But to the credit of my mom, she is 97 going on 30. God bless her. She is curious about everything. She is. And she likes wine. She drinks one glass when we're there. and But she always likes it. Yeah. Well, she doesn't always like it. My fine wines that I, she likes. So she asked me why, because she likes lots of, really a range, yeah. um, why some wines taste like butter and others don't. And you love this question. I do love go, this question. Go. You, you like this question. I do, because I think it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, um, And, I mean, there's, there's a handful of reasons, but the, most, the f- most fundamental is that wine goes through a process where uh, it's basically called malolactic fermentation, ML. You'll hear them say it in taste rooms like they're cool. Well, it has some mallow on it. But basically what it is, it's its its <laughs> They're a, not
1: talking about marshmallow. Yes.
0: No. And it is taking the malic acid, uh, uh, which is the acid in green apples— and it turns it into lactic acid, which is the acid in milk. So it's getting a little creamier. It's mm-hmm. getting a less, a little less brighter. But the byproduct is something called diacetyl. You don't need to remember that. But what it is, that's the stuff that they put into, I can't believe it's not butter. its I can't believe it either. Yeah, I can't. Oh, no. It's the flavoring <laughs> in genuine butter-flavored popcorn. <laughs> so basically, you have movie popcorn butter flavoring in your wine. Right. And that's why it yeah. tastes a little bit like wine. Well, yeah. 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 Nothing wrong with that. No, nope. and unless it, uh, you don't like popcorn,
1: in which case you should drink a different wine. Then drink a different wine. That's right. So
0: that's it, Mom. It's just the popcorn
1: thing. Yep. It's yep. My mom likes popcorn too. I gotta say. Well, and what a perfect combination. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially if the popcorn not only had a little. Uh, can't believe it's not butter in it, but maybe a little. Can't believe it's not truffle oil in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't find that stuff. <laughs> All right, and if my mom heard us, she couldn't believe that we'd be on the air. But that's another thing. <laughs> Are you still doing that? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right, here's Six a question. Years now. Here's a question from somebody who's not my mother, <laughs> which is a good thing. This is from Allison in Placerville, and I was actually saving this one because um, uh, kick off the new season because we needed. Because you know we people keep asking us for for uh, relationship advice. Oh, good. And Allison was here. She is okay. Yeah, good. She says, "I'm dating a guy from the Bay Area who seems pretty cool. Uh-huh. But I took him wine tasting up here, and is Foothill Wine Country. It's yes, lot of the lots wineries of wineries. Yep. Uh, I took him wine tasting up here, and two things happened. He talked really loud when he described wine. Most of it didn't make sense, <laughs> and kept trying to convince the pouring people he was right." So you guys have been around snobs. Do you think this is just him trying to impress me? It doesn't. Or is it a window into his
1: inner jerk? I'm going to give him slightly the benefit of the doubt, Allison, and say it might be a window into his inner Insecurity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that he's trying to convince the people behind the tasting bar that what he's saying is right makes me think he's a little nervous. If he were really confident, he would just whisper sweetly in your ear, This has a little of that buttery character from diacetyl. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He's trying to do it up front in front of everybody because he's hopeful that they're going to say, Well, yes, as a matter of fact, you're right.
0: Yeah, it may also be a little bit that uh, you took a wine tasting for the first time. You live in wine country; he
1: doesn't. Maybe yeah. he's trying to look Maybe like he's trying to and... live up to your expectations. So
0: I, I say, take a wine tasting one more time. If he acts like that again,
1: just dump him. Dump him. Yep. Well, I was going to suggest a, a slightly more cost-effective solution for Allison, which is that ask him to take her to a really nice restaurant, and if he acts, yeah. acts that way with the sommelier, well. Time to bail.
0: Yeah, well, the restaurant's a little different thing. I say, but to keep it cost effective, make him take you wine tasting. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. He's paying
0: for everything, Allison. <laughs> and if he won't fit the bill, send uh, foot the bill. Send it to send it to Paul. <laughs> he, he's, he's he's happy to pay your expenses. That's and right. Just keep us posted. Keep us posted. Okay. Well, that's it for our uh, first show of season six. We hope it gets better, folks. We do. <laughs> it, it can't get worse, <laughs> Rick. So we go. set the bar pretty See, low. That's, that's, our, that's our whole approach. Start that's at right. the bottom. Set the bar low. Bottom, give no quality at all. And if anybody comes back, we can only improve. That's right. All right. Uh, our producer, however, needs no improvement. That's Anthony Van Hook. Thanks thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Our associate producer is Jerry Marin. Thank you to Kappa Public Radio for their patience continuing and for the studio use. Their support. Their heartfelt we, support. We, we feel it. And look for us and ask us a question at at, uh, at Rick and Paul Wine on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's that wine is such a great thing, it can even make our podcast palatable.
1: Well, we hope.
0: We hope. We lasted six seasons. I'm guessing somebody's drinking out there. <laughs> All right. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends or with us, especially us.